Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight the street capitalists. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning, listeners. It's always nice. You're so dominating with your masculinity, Pierre. I was actually going to say it's always nice in the morning. Um, as we get ready, you can actually get your co-presenter to smile and to really open up in a nice, big, uh, friendly smile. But you know, what do I get in uh, in response? I get that. That's true. Um, Pierre cracked a joke just as he turned the mics on and I had to suppress a laugh. <laughs> Anyway, thank you. This is Asia Pacific Current, brought to you every week by Australia Worker Links. And that was a really nice bit of music by Solidarity Breakfast. Sometimes they put music that uh, I don't necessarily like, but hey, that's just my opinion, my humble opinion. Um, but this one I really like. It was uh, West Papua Merdeka by George Telek. Nice uh, boppy tune. And uh, later on in the in the program, we're going to be hearing an interview that um, we did a few days ago with Mustafa Awad, who's a human rights campaigner, on the recent um, major uh, protest in Iraq. And um, an interesting, uh, because Mustafa puts them uh, within the context of the Arab Spring, that in the last couple of days, there's also been major protests in Lebanon as well, for very much uh, similar reasons. But, uh, of course, if you want to get in contact with us, Giselle, how do our thousands of listeners get in contact with us? You can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. You can email us at aawl at aawl.org.au. And we're on Facebook and Twitter. Did we mention that the show is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links? Uh, we did. Oh, well, I did, Giselle, but obviously you weren't listening. <laughs> but that's part of the ongoing training, listeners, for the uh, for the young person. Oh, I here. thank you. And of Shall course, we... uh, yes, we are. But I don't think we mentioned uh, that you're listening to 3CR Radio, your favourite community I radio I knew station. you left something out, Pierre. I was just trying to pinpoint uh, which of your many weaknesses it was this morning. Uh, you better start the news. <laughs> Okay, we are going to kick off with news from around the region and actually uh, we're going to go straight to the um, the, the, the war. Um, so the Turkish government moves against critics of Syrian of offensive since the start of the latest Turkish military operation in northern Syria, the Turkish government has used these events to further clamp down against opposition inside Turkey. The Turkish police have launched criminal investigations into Kurdish lawmakers and detained scores of people, accusing them of criticising the military's incursion into Syria on social media. Police also fired water cannon and detained dozens of activists in the mainly Kurdish southeastern city of Diyarbakir on Thursday at a protest against the cross-border assault. In addition, the Democratic Party, mayors of Hakkari, Yuksakova 
Erikish and uh, Nushabin were taken into custody in dawn raids earlier this week on suspicion of aiding a terrorist organisation. I mean, it is, uh, and this will be the feature interview this morning, but it is absolutely abhorrent uh, what is happening in the Middle East at the moment. Uh, That's right. And uh, I know we've brought a lot of news about Turkey, but um, over the last few years, I think uh, well over 100,000 people have been dismissed from their jobs for political issues and tens of thousands have been arrested. Um, It must be quite an incredible uh, situation in Turkey. Um, we now go to India, where there's um, there's an issue about privatisation, where the government-owned airline Air India has been selected by the government to be the next major state enterprise to be privatised. While the exact timing and nature of the sale is not yet known, its workforce comprising of uh, around 11,000 workers, uh, these are directly employed by the company, with many other thousands engaged by supply chain companies, are very worried. The workers are fearful that uh, many of their job and welfare entitlements may be sacrificed in the sale of Air India, which, of course, um, is very common in these privatisation schemes. So um, they're probably very, very uh, uh, right to be concerned. And an actually, a very large group of workers who are over 50 years of age have stated that they will all take um, early retirement and ma- in mass prior to the sale so that they will at least be able to have access to their um, entitlements that they're owed. And still in India, uh, <clears throat> I think we're still in India. Yes, we are. That's good. How's geography? You're a bit stumped there. Yeah, that's right. Um, So again, and and also still in the um, airlines or aeronautics industry, this week almost 20,000 workers employed at the aircraft manufacturing company Hindustan Aeronautics Limited began an indefinite strike in Bengaluru in south central India. I, w- I, I was just going over it to make sure we weren't doubling up on the same story. That explains my <laughs> the, 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 we, we the strange up, but, uh, introduction. Uh, uh, Giselle, our editing is, is top <laughs> let class, me, Let me tell you what the workers are up to. The, worker, yes. the, the workers who are organised by the All India um, HAL, the Hindustan Aeronautics Limited Trade Unions Coordination Committee, they are complaining about the gross wage differentials between workers and supervisors, which stands at about... About 35%. To make matters worse, a company's offer to increase wages only serves to widen that gap even further. This dispute is ongoing. Um, and a, a very important uh, uh, cross, well, not cross industry, but solidarity um, should really be formed between this dispute and the. Um, Air India one. Yes. Yes, that's correct. And I wonder if that company realises that Hull was actually the computer. In uh, the film 2001. Uh, they may not. They may not, but uh, there you go, cross-cultural uh, issues. And, of course, Hull was actually the, um, the name of the, the producer. Did it. it was actually IBM, a letter before IBM. Anyway, just a bit of trivia there. We go to um, a bit of a, um, a very sad story um, um, to in Bangladesh where two workers died and at least three others were injured last week from an industrial incident at the shipbreaking yards of Chittakun in uh, Chattagram in Bangladesh. These workers were working on tanks to release contaminated water when they were overwhelmed by poisonous gases. Now, obviously, um, they were not wearing any breathing uh, equipment, and we know that the... Uh, 
occupational health and safety uh, issue at these ship breaking yards are huge. In a separate incident on the 14th of October at the Sagorica ship breaking yard, two workers were seriously injured when a cylinder they were working on exploded. Latest investigation by the organisation Shipbreaking Platform reports that a total of 73 ships were sold to the um, beaches of South Asia. Um, that's really meaning to the uh, shipbreaking yards on the beaches of South Asia for the dirty and dangerous job of breaking um, these uh, these ships in the third quarter of 2019. And so during this period of only three months, July to September, 11 workers have been killed to, due to workplace incidents and another uh, 20 were severely injured. And um, in total, so far this year, the platform has r- recorded that officially there have been 19 deaths and 30 severe injuries in the shipbreaking yards of South Asia. And you wonder then how many non-severe injuries as well would, uh, would be there. We're going to go to China now, and the uh, we have reported a lot that workers in China are becoming more and more organised. These today we're going to report on logistics workers. Thousands of these workers, employed by the logistics giant YTO Express, have staged protests in cities across <clears throat> all across China against the company's reorganisation plans. These workers are employed in the high-end business service where they enjoy some stability in terms of income and job security. YTO Express wants to shift these workers to its general dispatching and distribution sector where workers earn less, are paid on each delivery instead of on a wage and receive less welfare benefits. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, competition in China's express delivery business is very intense and several smaller companies have already fallen by the wayside, leaving thousands of workers without a job. Earlier this year in March, Rufenjda Express, another company, collapsed with 10 million US dollars in debt, leaving thousands of workers jobless and losing wage arrears and social insurance. Of course, when that company collapsed, the Directors didn't lose anything, just the workers. I would say that's a fairly uh, accurate guess there, which uh, really just shows you, um, you know, however the name of the Chinese state goes under, that the uh, the situation and the dynamics for workers, whether in China or in Australia, are incredibly similar, if not exactly the same. Um, we'll go to rail work uh, to South Korea. We, um, well, we we're just uh, listening to Solidarity Breakfast about their last story was about rail workers here in Melbourne. Well, in um, South Korea, they're also taking action. Uh, this week, thousands of workers of the Korea Railroad, uh, Railroad Corporation, CoRail, uh, who are members of the K. PTU Korean Railway Workers Union stage a three-day strike following on from more limited actions the week before. The workers are demanding an increase in staffing levels, the direct employment of outsourced workers. The issue of outsourcing workers is just so common these days. And the reintegration of the high-speed rail network into the public system. Now, on this latter issue, since 2014, the government has allowed a new private company called SR to operate in the high-speed network leading to a fragmentation of the system and losses to the public network uh, CoRail as the private company only competes in the most profitable routes. 
In uh, terms of the staffing levels, many stations are now staffed by only one person, while Corail has the highest number of occupational incidents among all um, public institutions. And in New Zealand, at its National Congress held this week, Richard Wagstaff, the head of New Zealand's Council of Trade Unions, urged the Prime Minister, Jacinta Ardern, to deliver on her election promises to workers and unions. The two major issues at the top of the agenda for the Labor movement are gender equity and the introduction of fair pay agreements. While the wage gap between men and women is slowly closing, the union movement wants to see whole sectors of the workforce, like the security, retail and cleaning industries, given more job security and stability via the introduction of fair pay agreements. Should add that Jacinta Ardern's Hands are tied. She can't really deliver on what the unions want. And I really wanted us to broadcast this story, Pierre, because I think a lot of people are busy saying that Jacinda Ardern is amazing, that, you know, Jeremy Corbyn is amazing, Bernie Sanders is amazing, but actually it, the the institution itself is simply not able to deliver on the interests of workers despite how good intentioned these individuals are and that there is no solution for us that's right. in that's parliamentary why we, democracy. That's why we need to push and organise. Um, that brings us to the end of the news roundup and it's uh, 14 past 9 o'clock. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents here on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. We'll go to a couple of community announcements and then we'll be back with our interview regarding the recent... Um, uh, popular protests in Iraq. For 45 years, Friends of the Earth has been mobilising communities to resist the destructive industries like coal, gas, nuclear, and to transform our world into somewhere better. Come celebrate with us as we celebrate 45 years of creative resistance. 25th of October at the Gasometer, doors open at 8pm with a welcome to country at 9pm. The lineup includes Alicia Joy, Hello Tut Tut, Mortisville, Claddy, and more. You know it'll be fun because it's Friends of the Earth. See you there. You can get tickets online or at our famous food co-op at 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. Friends of the Earth are a proud supporter of 3CR. From October the 28th to the 31st, some of the worst climate criminals will be gathering for the International Mining Conference, IMARC, at the Melbourne Convention Centre. Blockade IMARC is an activist alliance committed to putting a stop to the mass destruction caused by extractive industries across the globe and the harm they cause to communities and ecosystems. We need your help to be part of this blockade. Find out how at blockadeimark.com or check out our Facebook page, Blockade IMARC. A 3CR supporter.
It's just on, actually just ticked on 16 past and 9 o'clock here on 3CR Radio and Asia Pacific Currents. Over the last couple of weeks we brought you, um, you know, updates about the major protest in Iraq and the terrible repression that the um, those uh, working class communities had to face. A few days ago I had the pleasure of catching up with uh, Mustafa Awad who is a human rights campaigner to actually ask him for uh, a bit more of an explanation about um, what these protests are and who's actually involved. Was there a particular reason why the protest started earlier this um, month or was it just an inc- a question of increasing anger? The right answer would start with, say, uh, with saying something like this is another wave of the Arab Spring so we should connect uh, the dots to back to the events in 2010, start, starting from Tunisia and then Egypt, Syria, Libya, and so on. This is an organic wave as well. What's behind it is quite complex, and there are many reasons. And in summary, we know what, what started in 2003 when the United States decided to invade Iraq and ultimately occupy the country. The state, the military, the army was dissolved. And the country ended up in chaos. This vacuum was filled by some local or state powers uh, from Iran, from uh, the backed Shia militia. Some Sunni militia were, of course, uh, backed by the West. Some Sunni proxies like Saudi Arabia and uh, some of the Gulf states. Uh, the Kurds, of course, the Kurds were in the in the north. So it's quite complex. And the protest was is absolutely directed to the failure the failure of the state created cri- economical crisis unemployment uh, failure of state institutions and so on so th- this is pretty much what's behind the scene or what's under the surface what triggered this was a recent protest in Egypt actually some egyptians decided to protest against their own government that was back in april and at the same time, some Iraqi actually, some Iraqis started saying on, on social media, oh, look, e- Egyptians are not better than us. We should, they have done something. We should do the same. And this is where all, or this is the trigger, of course. It's not because, like one instance, I would say it's rather accumulated set of events that actually led to the, to the current protest. It's not just one event and it's not isolated, of course. Yes, we we were wondering whether this was part and connected to the whole upheaval of the region of from the Arab Spring, you know, going from 2011. And, and like you said, in Iraq, there's other issues connected with the 203 invasion by the United States. In other countries, we have seen that a lot of these huge protests there weren't very many groups that were organising uh, these protests. Was that the same in Iraq or there are actually community political pressure groups that are organising these protests? It's actually organic. What's interesting about the this protest is Iraq is an exceptional country when it comes to the revolutionary voice, as as we say, because it's very different from, from Egypt or Tunisia. Iraq is composed from different ethnic groups and different sects, as you know. You've got Shiites in the south, you've got Sunnis in the middle, you've got Kurds in, in the north. 
and even how the government was uh, was formed since 2003 was a reflection of uh, of this sectarian balance, if, if we have to say something like this. Of course, there is some militias, some political parties with different loyalties. Some of them were going towards Iran. Some of them were going towards the West. Some of them Sunnis orientated. The Kurds was they've got their own self-managed province in in the north. But what's been happening is you've got all these political parties with self-serving interests. They haven't really succeeded in actually getting things actually forward since 2003. So people, just lay people, without sectarian loyalty, like because most people are saying, look, the Sunnis cannot revolt because of the Shias, and the Shias could not revolt because of the Sunnis. There will be a civil war, and this is not what we're seeing here. The the people on the ground are Sunnis and Shias, and they're actually revolting against the status quo, against their their government and the local local governments in the provinces as well. So it's it's pretty much a very an organic movement. It's a grassroots. It's people just lay people in the street saying enough for corruption. Enough. Uh, Iraq is a wealthy country. People should have a bigger share in power and wealth. When I saw the protest erupting uh, in Baghdad and then in, in the other major cities, it reminded me of the huge working class protest in Basra over the last uh, few years. And they were also about the fact of economic and the social services that were not working. So do you think there is a, a link with those uh, issues as well? Absolutely. Look, the social class, the working class is leading pretty much the way since the start. And the thing is, the attributes of the Arab Spring is it works like waves. Back in Egypt, if we really need to understand the event in 2011, we have to go back to some protests in Mahalla. The, the working class were protesting against the ruling class elites back in 2008. In Iraq, it was pretty much the same. What has been unfolded in Basra in 2008 will, def- will definitely have to be connected to what's happening now. It's the same cause, the same people on the ground, and ultimately the same aspirations. To outside observers, what was probably um, quite shocking was the very swift response by the Iraqi government and the brutal response. In just a few days, I think over 100 people were killed, hundreds injured and 100 arrested, if not thousands. Why was the repression just so strong and so brutal? Of course, it's not most brutal response or crackdown on a movement or a revolution. I think so far the Syrian example was the worst since 2011. Back in Tunisia, back in Egypt, uh, there was of course some violence. Uh, people died, but of course, if we have to get some figures and numbers, still the uh, Iraqi ca- uh, casualties is quite high and significant. But this is, of course, it reflects the nature of the Iraqi state. It's unlike unlike Egypt, unlike Tunisia. If we if we have to look at the Iraqi society, it is composed from a lot of ethnic groups, a lot of sects, and this reflects on the Iraqi politics as well. You've got a lot of people, of course, with loyalty to to the government from the especially from the Shia side. You've got an Iranian-backed militia. You've got the Al Hajj al-Shabi, that a Shia militia loyal to the government. All these groups, of course, and the Sunnis and the Kurds as well. These groups got a political and economical interest. 
and they've got an interest in in cracking on the on the movement. So most of the violence has been perpetrated by these Iranian or the Sunnis or the uh, government-backed militia. It's not connected to the Iraqi army or the Iraqi police directly, but still everyone is trying to protect their political and their economical interests. They're trying to protect this, the very complex status quo because if the Iraqi demands are met, of course, a lot of people will be out of power and this will be upsetting for a lot of the groups on the ground. You've really explained it well and tied it in, into the historical context. And, and obviously, if the demands for jobs, no corruption, uh, better pay and, and conditions happen, a lot of people in government and those connected would lose a lot. So as a last question, where to now in Iraq and for the protest movement? Obviously, this impulse, like or this wave, as you call it, has been pacified. But do you think it will have lasting effects? Look, pretty much like all what we've been witnessing since 2010, since what, what happened in Tunisia. The Arab Spring, Iraq, Egypt, Tunisia, you will find the revolution and counter-revolutions. You will find a phase where actually things have been pacified a bit and things actually will turn on. As long as we have the causes in the ground, people will move. The thing is, people have seen the model exactly. And this model has been successful in countries like Tunisia, Sudan, and to some degree in, in Algeria. I hope it works well for them. But we're seeing something unfolding. And the same things apply to all Arab countries, Egypt, Syria, or even in Jordan, or even any of the Gulf states. It's a revolution, and it will take its time. It's not just an isolated event. And it, this movement will have to lead to something ultimately in the future. People will not stop until their demands are fulfilled. This is just the course of history. Thank you um, for that good explanation, Mustafa, and uh, we'll certainly keep abreast on what's happening. We've certainly covered uh, these uh, events over the last six, seven, eight years quite a lot, and we'll certainly um, keep doing it in the future. So thank you very much. It will be a th- my pleasure to talk to you tonight. Thanks. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. It's uh, just on 27 past 9 o'clock here on 3CR Radio on your favourite community radio station and favourite radio programme Asia Pacific Currents brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links and you were just listening to an interview that we did a uh, couple of days ago in the evening, as Mustafa said, um, with Mustafa Awad, who's a human rights campaigner on the analysis of the protest in Iraq over the last um, couple of weeks. And, of course, given what he was saying about the, the whole the dynamic 
dynamics of the region. It's important to note that there were major protests in Lebanon in the last couple of days, very much about unemployment, corruption, repression, and the rising inequality. Now, we've got one minute left, Giselle, and that's the time I've allowed you to tell about the conference tomorrow. That's right. So, uh, listeners, for those of you that are trade union activists here in Melbourne, Victoria, or actually right across Victoria, um, Workers' Solidarity has a conference tomorrow, uh, the title of which is Rebuilding a Fighting Union Movement. Uh, It starts at 10 o'clock and it is at the AMWU offices at 251 Queensbury Street in uh, Carlton. We do want you to register, but you don't have to. You can just show up. Um, Registrations on the morning commence at 9.30. The conference is free and we are providing lunch. That sounds like an excellent offer, Giselle. We'll certainly be there, so you can come and uh, and meet us and get our autograph at the, uh, at the conference. Um, I don't know why you laugh, Giselle, but anyway, we'll uh, end the program for now. Um, um, we'll be back next week with another uh, roundup and review of the labour movement in the Asia-Pacific region. Stay tuned for uh, Palestine Remembered. And that's all from me, Pierre. And me, Giselle. Hey, this is Nick from Pinar. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. Three CR Community Radio, eight five five AM.